McNamara with What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. I have Jesse Hines here who was on podcast about a year ago, I think, and um, she's going to come back on and talk a little bit about what's kind of happened since then. Uh, last year, we were talking about the 2016 Paralympics, uh, your journey to get there. We talked a little bit about your PE experiences and stuff like that, uh, but I think we're in a really different world. I wanted to come. I watched, I, I literally, I think I, I finished Rising Phoenix and I, I tweet or I tweet messaged uh, Jesse asking like, hey, do you want to come talk about the movie and talk about like the process of like you, like the, the Paralympics aren't occurring anymore and all, all of those kind of perspectives. So um, yeah. So how are you? I am hanging in there just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Learning to adapt to everything. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's like, just like, yeah, it's a new world. So talk to me about the, now we know like the Olympics and Paralympics were all kind of postponed. Um, and, I'm, and so talk to me about, so, okay, the pandemic for me was like, I, what I remember, I remember kind of hearing about it. And then I remember the NBA shutting down. And then everything after that kind of seemed to like, like really just spiral quick. And me having a, my wife was like seven and a half months pregnant at the time. So it was like, all this craziness with that. So talk to me about being a Paralympic athlete who is set to go to the 2020 um, Paralympics. What was the process first of like, how did you kind of figure out that this wasn't happening? Yeah, it was kind of a fast snowball effect. Like I know you saw a lot on your own is like we had our season, first of all, it was canceled just like for university. So that was a whole like, oh my gosh, wrap my head around this. This is insane. And then classes were getting canceled. And then there started to become word of like, okay, NBC, like NBA is going to be canceled. What are we going to do for like the summer sports? And then of course, everyone on the US team is talking to their coaches and saying, I don't have access to my gyms. How can I train? So we had a few meetings um, just with all the coaches and athletes on Team USA saying, look, we don't know what's going on, but what do you guys need from us? Like, what are your thoughts on this? And within like a two or three week, like turnaround, it went from like the discussions of how are we going to navigate our training to, I think we need to shut this down. I don't think we're going to have the games. What do you guys think about that? And obviously we didn't have a choice in what happened, but it was really stressful those few weeks, just going through training and thinking like, do I continue as normal? Do I not? How do I continue that training? And it was just so stressful having the unknowns and the decision to cancel the games or postpone them was actually leaked before they officially were going to announce it. So it was kind of a soft blow. <laughs> mm -hmm. We kind of figured it was going to happen and then it was announced. And honestly, it was so stress relieving just knowing what was going to happen because when they were in the process of trying to figure it out, it was just so much anxiety of thinking, how are we going to train? Is it going to be fair competition? Is it worth continuing with? And then as soon as they announced it, I just had a breath of relief thinking, okay, at least I know it's going to be a year off. Is it still going to be a miserable year? Yeah. <laughs> Is it going to be weird? Absolutely. But just knowing that we weren't going to have it, just it was so nice just to have that finally solidified 
of course, there's the panic after of like, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? This changes everything in my life. But it was, I was grateful they came to that decision because I mean, it was for the best and you have to put the health of people before, <laughs> you know, the competition, which I was super grateful they had that perspective going into it and that they were open with talking to us about it too. That's pretty cool. So there, were they asking your opinions and such of what you wanted to do? Yeah. So our national governing bodies talked to us. I don't know much about like what the other countries, like how they handled that, but mm-hmm. our people were talking about it and wanted to know what our opinion was. Cause I think Canada was the first to pull out of the games entirely mm-hmm. and the U S followed soon after. So they just wanted to have conversations with us and see if that's something we agreed with. And then if it was or wasn't what else we would need. Cause like the financial end of it, a lot of athletes that depend on that year of athletics to pay for life, they were all like, what do we do if, you know, we cancel that? So they just wanted a lot of our opinions of what we needed from them, but also how we thought they should go about it. And were the conversations Olympics, Paralympics separate, or were they kind of together? Um, There was one specific, like, Zoom call that was together, that was, like, the largest Zoom call I've ever gone on. It was, like, 300 people. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they started off, like, really large, and then they kind of got smaller, like, track, and then, like, paratrack, and some of us just, like, our individual events. So they kind of narrowed it down so we could funnel our conversations into our specific event because, like, gymnastics, I know some of them couldn't access any gyms because they can't own that stuff. Some of us track people had access to roads or tracks we could train on, but – every event was slightly different. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's very interesting, but I, and I, I can understand like the breath of like relief because even like, I mean, this summer, like going back to fall, I mean, like, cause we're teaching face-to-face right now. And it was just like, and I feel like teaching face-to-face is still a little bit like stressful because we keep thinking when is the, like, and I'm sure you're feeling it in classes. Like every week you're like, is this the week that we're going to go online and it's going to be, like crazy and stressful and I feel like there's almost like almost like PTSD from it like of like the stressfulness that happened in whatever March that occurred to us that we just are like it's gonna like like you're almost like when is that gonna happen again so almost like going online would be like less stressful in a way because you're like okay we're doing it but um yeah I can understand that that as a breath breath of uh, relief now so what about communications about moving forward um I've been a little unclear about what like what that looks like or are they having those conversations still with you yeah they're trying really hard to relate any information that they know and at this point like the last big announcement was when the games were being postponed too for a while we didn't know if it was going to be in 21 if it was going to be like a winter 2021 yeah. period so once they announced that it was just it kind of changed to a slow like here's some resources here's things we can do to help you kind of relaying information because at this point there's not a ton that they can do for us or with us because a lot of the large decisions have been made. So they're just kind of helping us ride the wave and <laughs> figure yeah. out how to go on our own end. And and if you qualify then for 2020, they wouldn't allow you to qualify. Like there's not, uh, you don't have to re-qualify, right? So for track we do because our official qualifications, our trials were supposed to be in June and obviously that doesn't happen. So for our sport, we have to re-qualify um, next June. There's some sports that they already qualified, and they're holding those. Yeah. So they don't have to deal with that for another year, which would be kind of stress-relieving <laughs> in its own way. But, oh, no, thankfully we still have another year to improve 
Yeah. And so, yeah, we'll be requalifying next summer. Well, then uh, that also makes a lot of sense why that'd be so stressful because you were like, like right at the tail end of like having to, yeah. And you'd probably just be performing based on like, like the random day that you're, you're going. Yeah. That's wow. That, yeah. That's, that's gotta be stressful. So, all right. And, and what about training? Have you been, and even, and then that you're at you and I, you're on the track uh, team. How's that going right now? It's going really well. Yeah. I've been super excited about how, uh, specifically have been using have been adapting to this mm-hmm. you know, we're all nervous like how are they going to have practices can we practice will we have any sports but thankfully they're very wary of it and my coaches are very like strict on this so that has so much relief stress just knowing that they would take it seriously and that I will have access to the training grounds and have access to everything that I would normally have mm. Now let's talk about a little bit about COVID because I'm, I'm interested for what your perspective is like. Um, so like what if for, for an athlete, especially like, like one like you, where like you have all this kind of on the line right now of, you know, making it and not making it. And yeah, I don't know, just like, like is, is COVID like a scary thing in that way that it might, especially while you're in the middle of training and such kind of, is that kind of an added pressure right now of having COVID that would probably could take you out for not just, you know, the, obviously the, the really bad stuff, but even just taking you out as far as taking you out of training for a month or having lung capacity issues. Uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, it's definitely an added sort of thing to pay attention to because there are, I mean, we've had athletes on our teams that had it and recovered perfectly fine, but there are definitely still people who, recovered and still have long-term lasting effects or it takes them weeks to get over it and as like an athlete our bodies are like so necessary in that specific way to compete and to go through your seasons so it kind of reinforces it in your brain that it is a serious thing you know if you didn't already agree that it was serious and something to deal with it reminds you again that it can have a lasting effect on you you know as a young healthy person I'm at a much lower risk for having these long-term effects, but it can still happen. And if it does happen, it can affect us in multiple ways. Some of them being like in our career in athletics. Mm-hmm. So I think that's definitely how it helps have people help people have a good perspective. Yeah. And I think drive that a little more home. You know, it's, you have to treat it. It's like an injury, but it's an injury that you can prevent and it's an injury that we're having a lot of people deal with at this time. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting way to kind of look at it too, as an injury that you want to prevent and, and avoid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, now, also, like, so on, on another note, like, and then, you know, and, and maybe you have a perspective of this too, because you are in the Paralympics and there's a lot of different, you know, spectrum of there. What's this, like, the, the viewpoint or what is it like living with a disability right now during the pandemic or over the last six months? What, what is kind of your experience or kind of what you see of experiences of others that you might know? Yeah, it's definitely a whole new world for a lot of people. Uh, on my specific end, I, have, I haven't had too many issues because I'm fairly adaptable to the world that isn't adapted to. Um, the disabled, but there are a lot of people that rely on, you know, communications from other people. They rely on other people for mobility. Like I have some of my um, blind friends that rely on like Ubers and like a lot of rides. And so at the beginning of this 
they have troubles getting to like grocery stores or getting to places they need because no one wanted to share cars or like help guide people and just small things like that, that you don't think about um, needing other people for, but when you rely on touching people and having proximity of people, you know, and going into treatment facilities or seeing like doctors, you know, all those small daily things that people require that had to be put on hold for a while. And for them, for most people, that's not an issue. You can have a doctor's appointment at a later time, but if you require that for rehabilitation or just for continuing your mobility needs, that has a long-term effect. And that's scary to navigate a world where you have that taken away from you. You know, we rely so heavily on the proximity of people. And as soon as that's gone, that's like a whole added part of the disability that normally you wouldn't have to deal with as badly. Yeah. I find, I find it maybe like kind of a double-edged sword when we talk about disability with the pandemic. Cause I, especially initially, I mean, the world I saw was just like, it seemed like, you know, in my, my mind went straight to like, try try to be from that perspective of like, man, this is going to be so much more limiting, like the way that we're kind of operating and like, you know, um, just going, you know, going to grocery stores and all these crazy things that were happening. Um, but as time has gone on, I would actually, I, 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 I'm almost hoping that this can provide more kind of quote unquote inclusive kind of environments. I think like even just like online learning and such, like when we talk about like people with a lot of different disabilities, like, you know, again, maybe not like your specific disability, but other disabilities, I mean, the, the disability community has overall been like advocating for online working and online learning for 20 years. And I think like th there's some benefit of that, that, you know, I think you're, you're, you're taking online courses, right? We'll talk about that in a second, but like, I, you know, I, I feel like online learning is not the same as face-to-face, -face, but it's not yet. And if we put the time and the resources in, it might be at least close to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had an interesting conversation with some friends the other day about this because a reporter had asked us, like sent us a message and asked if we felt like it was easier for us to adapt to this because we're so used to adapting all the time. And that made us laugh a little bit because it's exhausting having to adapt to things every day on a small basis. And now seeing the world having to do that, even if it's just like a small thing, like putting on a mask to a grocery store, that's a small yeah. application. And it's interesting seeing people who've never had to adapt to something like that have to go through it. And we are really hoping that having to do those things makes people aware, just like the online learning. It's such a simple thing to set up and deal with. It might be a small inconvenience to someone it doesn't benefit, but doing it for someone who it does benefit is insanely helpful. And it's technology so good now that we can have access to that. And we're really hoping that can push people to be aware of things even after they don't have to deal with this and don't have to adapt to these things anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think attitudes and such need to kind of like, I, I think, yeah, you know, even for me, like you just kind of like start thinking about things or even like, you know, I, I went, um, when I was a teacher, I worked with kids with like uh, severe health impairments and you know, those kids right now are probably 99% of them are probably all at home right now doing distant learning uh, because of the health risk issues and like I mean you know and then we start going out especially at the beginning when it was so unknown and um, you're kind of thinking about that stuff constantly and it's such a way and I, I do hope that that perspectives can can change 
but it does seem that a lot of people, I don't know, maybe double down on, uh, on the opposite way of thinking. So, but yeah, no, I think that's a good perspective to have. And I hope it, I hope it does change. Um, yeah. And real quick about the Paralympics that, that, you know, are hopefully going to occur. I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, what would be, like, do you know any of the, the things that they're going to put in place to try to make it happen? Um, are, or are they trying to, are they still figuring it out? Yeah, so there are a lot of different options they're looking at right now. Um, there's, they obviously don't know yet if they're going to have like spectators or like the normalcy of that. But one thing that's being floated around is um, having people go to like a certain hotel, either in that country or like in our country and just quarantine for like two weeks straight, keep us all away. And then if every country does that, once you get into Athlete Village, it's like a little, not a prison, but it has a security of a prison, you yeah. know, so if you're in there and theoretically yeah. all the athletes are being tested and they're all being quarantined. Once you get in that, everyone should be healthy. And then you just wouldn't have the freedom to leave and like sightsee and like all this stuff, which after all this, like <laughs> pretty expected to not be able to have that freedom. Yeah. But yeah, they, they already have a lot of good health um, preventative things anyway. So just for our safety. And then if they add that in, just quarantine everyone, have everyone stay in that village and just not leave. That's a small inconvenience at best, but it's, it would be super helpful just for making sure everyone is safe and healthy. Cause we do have a lot of athletes with extra health issues and health concerns. And we're aware of that on a normal basis, but especially now we wouldn't want to risk any of that. So yeah, they, they're still toying around with the idea of having spectators, like I said, and having us be allowed to visit or leave and visit other places. But they did mention just recently the idea of um, leaving the athlete village as soon as you're done with athletics. So staying there as short of time as possible. So basically go home right after. So you don't have like closing ceremonies and that week of like after your event, like mingling with other people. So they have a lot of ideas, but I think they've had a lot of time to discuss this and I think that will really help them have something solid to go off of. I am a huge fan of the NBA and I'm watching the bubble and it's, I mean, that sounds like I, and to me, it's a awesome, it, it's incredible how well that's gone for them. But I think the biggest issue that happened is they didn't put a documentary crew in there. At least that I know of, cause I mean, that would be pretty cool if they did the bubble, the Paralympics, like, documentary crew to see all the craziness all the drama <laughs> behind the behind the scenes so added revenue too yeah um i think it would be a good idea yeah uh or re yeah reality show the bubble um are they talking at all about and like when they're communicating this stuff are they talking about it differently Paralympic versus Olympics or is it just kind of like are they talking kind of just globally right now about both of them as as far as I'm aware right now it's kind of the same I mean we'll be after them anyway so if they make a big mistake hopefully we can correct that but um, I think they're trying to do it as much the same as possible that way they don't have to worry about two different systems and yeah one up if as long as you have like the same system hopefully they can kind of use that and perfect it and make sure that they can get it down and working as best as possible. So um, let's transition and talk a little bit about some of the movies that came out recently. So right before I started recording, I said, you know, I, we, we both said that we saw Crip Camp and we saw 
saw Rising Phoenix and I was just saying like, or we were talking about how like it's been a really nice year as far as like, like quality film on like Netflix. Like, you know, I mean, maybe it's because of my, my little program, but like it was the first thing that popped up in my movie stuff. And it was both of those movies and they're both like just so well done. And I, I, I was really impressed overall. I, I will throw a few critiques I have of the rising Phoenix one, which you might already know what they might be. But, um, but overall though, I mean, I was like really blown away with like just how powerful both of them were. Uh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, on kind of seeing two of those? Cause I felt like those were like mainstream movies that came out. Yeah, I absolutely love them. I actually watched them back to back on the same day with my sister and we were sitting in bed like crying and getting emotional over them. But I loved how they could tell the story in our perspective and by the people who were involved in them. I think that's something that we miss a lot in the disability community. Like we will have movies about non-disabled people, but they'll be played by non-disabled people, written by non-disabled people. And sometimes you lose that voice, but seeing that as a documentary and in the actual perspective of everyone was so emotional. And you could just, you could have that raw discussion and all the emotions that you normally have. And you get that without a filter. You know, it's not in a movie style, it's in documentary. So you get everything straight from the person. And I mean, I learned a lot watching Crip Camp that I didn't even know about the history of ADA and disability rights in America. And it's insane <laughs> how long it took, you know, for everything. But yeah, I absolutely was blown away by the quality of them. You know, we naturally have lower expectations for some of these, but they were both phenomenal and got me so emotional. <laughs> that was the thing we were talking about too, is like, just like every time I see disability stuff, I always just feel like it's not at the same level as you might see other documentaries. So to see two documentaries that I thought were like cutting edge as far as quality goes and content. And yeah, I mean, you know, um, I had that thought of like nothing with us without us kind of thing. Or, and, and I think that's good too. I mean, even like, so, you know, I conduct research and all this stuff and I'm an able-bodied individual and I mean in my whole field it's kind of problematic is we're trying to capture I mean you know from people I know I know very few that are at least that have closed the disability and they're doing all the research in it and I do think that the voice gets lost because of that so I try to tread carefully but I think it's I'm not probably capturing it so having that voice the way it is is like really really ideal um yeah, no, I, I, I found both profound and obviously in very different ways. I thought Crip Camp was really, really interesting. Definitely more on that like social justice, finding out how like the movement. Yeah, I, I don't think people normally think of disability as a civil rights movement uh, and such. So, I mean, that's yeah, um, I thought it was awesome. Uh, and then Rising Phoenix, you know, it's like kind of almost felt like they were back to back and like this one was on sport and like, you know, and Tanya McFadden was in there and he was like, I talked about her in my, my, uh, my classes because she did, and they talk about it, like one of the laws that she kind of put in place of making sure that, that um, people with disabilities have rights to extracurricular activities. So I bring that up all the time and show her off and there's a documentary about it. So I was I don't know. I was like, I feel, I'm feeling like I felt awesome while, while watching that. Just like, I don't know, validated a little bit or something. And I'm not, I don't even have a disability. Uh, but anyways, like, so yeah, I, I loved it. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so, so, okay, so you were in it though. Was that a bummer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't expect to be, but, <laughs> but we were watching some of the parts they had the Rio. We're like, okay, maybe I'll be in the background. Maybe we can see someone we know. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you see anybody? I, a lot of my friends were in there, but I did not make the background cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now is Tatani McFadden. She's got to be in America, right? She's like the biggest celebrity, right? Mm. Have you had any pass bars with her? Yeah, she's at all of like my track meets, and because she does distance and short distance and winter sports too, so yeah, she's at all of our um, all of our like track events and trials and everything. So she travels with the team a lot. <laughs> God, awesome, but she's probably taking all the attention, right? <laughs> she has a lot of cameras following her. <laughs> awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I was, I mean, I was kind of blown away by the experiences. So yeah, let's focus a little bit on Rising Phoenix for a second. I mean, I found it to be really powerful um, for a variety of reasons, but like, what were some of the things that that you took away from that, that kind of, you know, that you liked or didn't like? I loved when they went back to the history of the beginning of the Paralympic movement, um, specifically because the um, hospital in Stoke Mandeville, I, in 2014, actually had a meet there. Um, at that hospital at the little track they had and I remember back then even going through and thinking oh like this is where it all started and seeing that again documentary kind of pulled my heartstrings a little seeing the hospital we stayed at and everything and yeah I just I love seeing history of through the time like through the times and how it's all changed and um, seeing about was it 2000 or 04 when they almost didn't have the Paralympic Games and just seeing that history of how ridiculous it is that us as disabled athletes have to fight so hard for some of our just meets just to happen, you know, in general. And you think it wouldn't be such a big deal, you know, we're athletes, they have meets, we should be at them. But just all the fighting people have to do to get that meet in general can be ridiculous. And it was nice to see it highlighted and kind of learn about everything people had to go through just to be on a high school team, just to have a meet to just to be an athlete in general. It was powerful and just made me very thankful for <laughs> being born when I was and being able to have the opportunities that people before me gave me. Absolutely. And, and even like Titania, you know, like she like had a fight for, you know, just to be on that high school team and she's a, like a world-class champion and still had a fight and, and be assertive at every moment and even go to, you know, uh, a court cases to even get heard. Um, yeah, it is kind of ridiculous. I, you know, I, to me too, just, I, you know, and even like during the, the pandemic, it's like we were like void of sports for four months. And to me that felt pretty like, and like I was, man, I was craving like something, you know, and I, I, and I think because of that, and then also just Paralympic, I think the power of sport is just really, really impactful too. And I think, um, you know, that the movie highlighted the importance of sport, the importance of the cultural relevance of it. Uh, and, and they talked at some point about like the Paralympics almost like allowing like people with disabilities to be people like giving them like that, that opportunity. That's, that's such a big part of the world uh, and allowing, you know, this group that's been just not able to, you know, was not allowed to do those things. 
the ability to do it. So anyways, I mean, yeah, I was, I was, I found it to be really profound. Um, a lot of the different things about it. Um, yeah. So, um, what, okay. So the one thing though, I was going to mention, is there anything that you thought that maybe that were missing in there? What, 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 if in a perfect world, they put another 30 minutes on it, what, what would you want to see aside from interviews with Jesse? <laughs> Um, I have not thought about that yet. I, I've just been thinking about the good stuff now. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you. Yeah. 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 Say the things that I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the only thing, and we've talked about this, I think before and like, so I think the Paralympics, I think what the Paralympics is able to do for the disability community is I think sport is able to highlight those strengths and, and uh, things of overcoming in a way that it's, you know, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you're able to do a lot with your body, right? When you're able to show it in that way, I think it can change perceptions really, really strongly from the society. And so I think that the Paralympics has this amazing platform to do it. And I think that they've been fairly successful with slowly, but, but, but giantly changing perspectives and putting people on life magazine that have, or life serial or whatever, like with a disability. And I think that's like, and I think that movie, you know, it just, and it's not always this, like, it's achieving and, and, and took, takes away some, or, or puts our perspective, not just on that quote unquote limitation or like that pity thing that happens in most movies that came before those two, uh, but puts it on the strengths and overcoming and kind of like, you know, like that person's amazing. Um, but like, to me within that, what I noticed, and I think we talked about it before, was like the photogenic disability kind of idea. Uh, and, you know, because Paralympics does meet, have a lot of different types of athletes. And, you know, to me, the focus was on a lot of photogenic kind of quote unquote kind of disability. There was a short one on Bacha, which I thought was cool but they still didn't really even interview anybody there. So to me, that was a little like, I don't know. I wish sometimes that, I don't know. And I know that's probably hard for them because they're, and they're chipping away and I think they're doing it methodically. But I, I thought with this awesome thing to give a little bit more airtime to some of those athletes would have been powerful. Yeah, that's a really important thing to notice. And I didn't even <laughs> pick up on that when I was first watching it. But yeah, like we've talked about before, you see that so often. It's just like the photogenic disabilities, the ones that are comfortable for people to look at. And it is a little disen like, disencouraging, it's not a word, discouraging <laughs> to see um, only that type of disability being shown because there's so much diversity in that in the Paralympics. And I mean, I'm guilty of like that whole, oh, that's like not a comfortable disability. I'm guilty of that. I was raised in society. I'm prone to that too. But I, I agree with that. It would have, I would like to see in the future, if the, like having more of these documentaries and videos, I would definitely like to see more of that, of disabilities that you don't see in public. They don't see on the news, ones that you wouldn't have on a magazine cover because it's not comfortable for people to look at but they're humans <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and they're athletes and world-class athletes at you know at that because 
to be at the Paralympic level is insane. It requires a lot of ability for everyone. And I think that it gets overlooked sometimes when you see someone who doesn't look like, you know, the athlete you think should be a world-class athlete. He doesn't look like Michael Phelps, you know, but there's a whole variety and range of ability and there's a whole variety and range of disability in that. And everyone there is a world-class athlete and that should be recognized and celebrated even if it doesn't look like what you think we should look like. Well, I'm not even, you know, also like, like what is an athlete? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, you know? And so we define all these things, but anyways, I mean, I just, I, cause I love, I, I really do. I admire what the Paralympics does and I think they do it a lot better than a lot of organizations that try to attempt that. Mm-hmm. They seem to do a really good job overall and stuff. There's critiques. There's always critiques and stuff. But I actually listened to a thing recently. It made me feel better about myself, which is good. But it was like something about like um, like pessimists or people that like critics are actually the true optimists because they think that things can get better. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, and, and look at the Paralympics. Like, look at like they, you know, how how far they've come in such a small amount of time, really especially when you compare it to the Olympics. Yeah, definitely. We've come a long way, even just in 10, 20 years, you yeah. know, as it, I mean, we've been around less than a century now with the athletes, disabled athletes, you know, in sports. And it's insane just how far we've come yet, how far we still have to go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Let's talk a little bit briefly and then we'll kind of end this. We'll, uh, but, um, Let's talk a little bit about like your this this next journey to to getting to the next Paralympics. Like, what does that look like for you? Is your um, what's your training look like right now, and has it changed at all because of the pandemic? Yeah, for the most part, mine's pretty much the same as it would be on a normal season. Yeah. Um, I usually train in a small group of either myself and coach or me and like one or two other athletes. So that was easy for me to <laughs> transition into because I just throw with one other athlete. And then I usually just do running workouts with me and coach. And then I'll be with the team once a week anyway. So that was easy for me to do. Not everyone was as comfortable with that because most people are used to like practicing large groups and training large groups. So thankfully I had an easier time with that transition. Um, So it's fairly normal for me. Yeah. But things will be a little more cramped when we have to go inside for the cold weather because we'll all be sharing the same facilities a little more than normal. But no, thankfully it's fairly similar at this, at the moment. And I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> and is your, is your coach for the Paralympics the same? Like, do you get, like, are you using the same one you do at UNI? Yep. You- so I use the UNI coaches and there are like team coaches with Team USA that only travel I work with, but I work with my UNI coaches, which helps alleviate a lot of stress. <laughs> and how is it going for you and I? Yeah, like that part of it. Is it all anything? Yeah, they're doing a really good job. Like every day we go and have to do like temperature checks. Mm. We all get pretty wristbands every day that <laughs> we have to wear. Um, no, I'm really, I'm really happy with how serious everyone is taking this and how willing they are to have a little a slight inconvenience in order to make sure everyone's health is in check and that they're doing the best that they can for us. Good. And what, what, can you talk a little bit more about specifics? So like, what are you, how do you, what are you doing now? And like, what, how are you going to try to improve 
until the, the, those trials, like what are the small, because I know it's going to be small things, but what are those things that you're looking to do to try to improve? Yeah, so we are doing a ton of strength training <laughs> this year, <laughs> which started up even last summer, um, which was nice. It gave me something to do during days when classes were over and I was locked in my house. <laughs> so they helped with that just to have that normalcy of the strength training. So with discus is my main event. So um, even just today, we started up with the heavy discs again, which are always a pain to train with, but they have a really good outcome in the long run. So it's just a lot of weight training and a lot of patience with that because <laughs> it takes a long time to build up these habits and to get better. But we have an extra year to do that. So thankfully, we're all willing to take the time <laughs> to improve in that way. What Like going back to the movie, like what does it mean as a Paralympian or somebody striving to be in the Paralympics to have that type of movie come out? It's so important to have that know, seeing yourself represented on a screen like that. And it helps remind you that it's a serious event. You know, we kind of get discounted sometimes as, you know, less serious, not world-class athletes, because again, we don't always look like them, but, or what you think we should look like. But seeing that really reminds you of how serious it is and how amazing this group is and how it's, it's not just a weekend, you know, camp you go to. It's a very serious sport. And I, I loved um, watching um, in Rising Phoenix uh, the clips from the games, and especially from Rio, not only because I was there, but it just brought back all the memories of the fans in the stands, people who were local there who didn't get to see that ever, but were able to go to the events and fall in love with the Paralympic movement. You know, they – picked athletes that weren't from their country at all, but they picked them as their favorites and they could cheer them on during races. And they were all so excited to see everyone and seeing that portrayed really just helps you internalize that even more and realize how amazing the games are and how special the Paralympic movement is for so many people. Absolutely. I, man, I can't, I can't imagine. I would love to go to one. It's, it's gotta be, something so all right so what so how, how do you uh, do you do you gauge yourself like like how how close you are to the, like those trial things how, how are you doing so far you think you're ready yeah. you're it? they were next weekend maybe not so ready yeah yeah i thankfully my coaches are really good at helping me reset my mind after all this was postponed and canceled to you know get back into the zone of okay we're we're treating it like we're coming back off of the season and kind of transitioning back in so I think by the time trials come I'll be in a good spot to be mentally and physically ready for it for sure well thanks a lot Jesse for coming on again and talking about this and all, all the things that are happening and in, in the movies and uh yeah so next time we talk to you we'll talk to uh, Rising Phoenix 2 the Jesse Himes uh, story <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks, Jesse.